So, this morning, this morning, that's a good start, this evening, <laughs> this morning has been and gone, and here we are at this evening, and this evening we're talking about serving, and how we can celebrate serving in Christ. I thought I'd start by talking about um, the Methodist Church. No? I'm all right, I'm all right. Now, at Christmas, um, now many of you will be aware, the Methodist Church in Billericay decided in a run into Christmas that they were aware of a lot of people in our community who were going to be on their own at Christmas, who were going to be lonely, who were going to be um, either because of um, their, their age or, or their infirmity. Um, they wouldn't be able to get out of the house. The people weren't coming to them. They were going to be on their own, and they would be having Christmas dinner um, and a whole of Christmas day on their own. And the church thought to themselves, this is not... This is not good. What can we do in our community? So they put on a lunch, and um, they, they advertised it, and they invited people along, and it was really successful. And the week before Christmas, um, uh, Ian spoke to the minister at the Methodist Church and said, look, this is a brilliant initiative. This is absolutely what churches should be doing. Um, is there any way that, that our church can, can support you? Can we um, offer, offer resources? Um, can we offer people? What, what can we do to help you? And his response was brilliant, um, for two reasons. The first one was because his response meant that we didn't actually have to do anything on Christmas Day. But the reason we didn't have to do anything is because it had already been done. They had advertised this initiative, and local companies, we were told, had responded by um, donating money to cover costs. And he said, financially, costs are covered. Um, food donations have been made. Donations of furniture attribution was they could, they could see everybody. But perhaps the most significant contribution was that they had more than enough volunteers. And he said that more than half of those volunteers were not Christian. They were simply people who had heard of the initiative and thought, oh, I want to get behind that. What a great idea. So you see, that suggests that in all of us, in the majority of people, Christian or non-Christian alike, serving feels good. Serving others, helping people out, feels good. Or at least it does up to a point. Because you see, that was a one-off. That was a Christmas day. And don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it. People gave up their Christmas day. It is, it is just, it restores your faith in humanity when you hear about projects like that. It was brilliant. People gave up their Christmas day to be there to serve, to help others. But it was a one-off event. Unfortunately, the reason that sticks out as such a magnificent achievement and reflects so well on everybody that was involved in it is because so often when it comes to serving, the norm, our, our general reaction, is one of apathy. And so when, when a willingness to serve is the reaction, that sticks out as the exception. As a church, we should look to cultivate a culture where serving is the norm and apathy is the exception. We need to be a place where, where Christians think nothing of, of seeing a need and stepping up and making sure that, that they serve in whatever way is required. Not, not for the applause and recognition that will come with serving, but because they know that even though on this side of heaven it might seem to go unrecognised, it pleases God. So, we're going to be jumping around a few verses this evening, but we're going to be starting in 2 Timothy. 
This is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And many of you will be familiar with, um, with, with these words. Paul says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So Paul talks about the way that he's served. He talks about being poured out like a drink offering. Now there's only one other place where, where Paul talks about that. That's in, that's in Philippians. In chapter 2, verse 17, where he says, But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. You see, when, when he talks about drink offering, in some translations, the word that's used is, is libation, which was a, 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 a wine offering poured out across the altar when sacrifice was made. It's one of those words that we don't tend to use. I'm going to try and get it into, into conversation this week at some point. I don't quite know how, but, but it's a great word, libation. We don't, we don't tend to use that word anymore. Maybe I'll invite someone to the red line for a quick libation before dinner or something like that. But Paul talks about being poured out. If you imagine a sacrifice and a wine offering being poured out over it, it would go everywhere. It would be a mess. But you see, that's what Paul says we should be like in our service. We should, we, we, we're full up with the good stuff, the good wine. We're, we're full up with that. And we should, be, uh, we should allow ourselves to be poured out by God wherever he sees fit. Paul says, if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering for you, sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. You see, when the sacrifice was made, the, the pouring out of the wine was almost um, an insignificant part of the ceremony in a lot of people's eyes. The, the main sort of um, blood and guts was, was the actual sacrifice itself. That's what took the attention and Paul is saying, when I serve, if I am simply the, the wine offering that is poured out on your service, if I'm just a small part of that, and, and he's, he's, he's writing to the Philippians, if I'm just a small part and you get all the glory, do you know what? That's fine, because I don't serve for me. I serve for God. I will still be grateful to have the opportunity to serve. In 2 Timothy, he then goes on to use a lot of athletic imagery. He says he's, he's fought the good fight, he's finished the race. He's anticipating a crown of thorns. Uh, a crown of thorns. <laughs> he's anticipating a crown. Now, as, as I've just demonstrated, there's a lot of phrases in church that sort of roll off the tongue, sometimes even when we're not necessarily expecting it. Complete this one. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. Yeah, this is a, a phrase that, that all followers of Christ long to hear one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's our desire as a church, to grow into servants that have that type of statement waiting for us. Those words ringing in our ears when the day of judgment comes. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
So Paul uses this imagery of, of being poured out, of being emptied out. And we, we um, last week, for those of you who were here on Sunday morning, um, we had the video of that uh, Tim Hughes song, which... Um, repeats towards the end, fill us up and send us out, fill us up and send us out. And it was a communion service. When I was preparing for this, I was reading, thinking of, I was thinking of that song and I, I, I came across um, uh, Paul's imagery and it, so I suddenly saw a link and I thought, it's, it's interesting. It seems that when we're preparing to serve, we should be like sponges. Because a sponge, by its very nature... It's very good at absorbing, but it's not very good at holding. You see, we should be good at absorbing. We should come here on a Sunday morning or evening or or during the week at a Bible study or a house group or a prayer group or or any other type of fellowship that runs through the church. We should meet up. We should should let ourselves be filled when, when two or three are gathered so the Holy Spirit is present amongst them. And we should enjoy that. We should let ourselves be filled by the Spirit. But then we shouldn't retain it. We shouldn't hold it all in. We shouldn't seal it in. If you think of a, a, a sponge, if I'm, if I'm washing the car and I put a sponge into a bucket and it absorbs all the water, but then nothing comes out of it, I can't squeeze it out. It's like a brick. Well, that's no good. That's useless. The sponge is full of water. Brilliant. But I can't cleanse the car. I can't clean the dirt away from anything else. Just in the same way, if we come into church and let ourselves be full of the Spirit and go home and keep a lid on it and keep it quiet and we, we, don't, we don't let that come out in our daily lives, in the way that we speak, the way we conduct ourselves. We don't, we don't step in when we see injustice. We don't stand with the needy. We don't, we don't stand with the weak. If we don't do those things, then effectively we're like the sponge that absorbs all the water but then doesn't let it out again. And that's a useless sponge because nothing can be cleaned with it. New Christians are expected to soak things in, but over time we've got to go from from receiving, from absorbing, soaking up, to giving out. A sponge that only takes in, it fails to serve its purpose. One Timothy chapter six, verse eighteen, Paul says he's talking about those who are rich to be in this world wealthy people. He says to Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So when Paul measures riches, it's not in terms of earthly wealth. He says, command them to do good, command them to be rich in good deeds. It's almost like we've got this this heavenly bank account and every good deed we do, every act of service we do in the name of Jesus puts us in credit. Paul says we should be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. We should have a generous spirit, we should be willing to share. Now, that could be possessions, that could be money, that could be time, could be could be prayer time. I will pray for you. That's such a powerful thing to do. If we if we say to somebody, I know I know you're, you're going through a difficult time. I will pray for you. We've got to be careful. We've got to guard against that just being something we say. Make sure that as Christians, when we say we're going to pray for somebody, we do it. We go away and we do it, and we do it seriously, and we dedicate time to praying for one another. 
So service in church is, is great, but sometimes serving in our community is even more important. Bob Russell, um, he's, he's uh, an American pastor, or he was an American pastor at one of these super churches, and um, he, he came out with a quote which I quite liked. He said, the church is the only organisation that exists not for its members, but for the people who are not yet members. That's the people that we're serving. We should look after each other, we should serve one another and make sure that none of us are, are burning out or, 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 um, or drifting away from church. We should make sure that we, as a fellowship, we look after each other. But ultimately, we're here for the people who aren't yet members of the church, who don't yet know Christ, who don't yet have a faith. So our, our service to the community is not, it's not something we do because it earns us brownie points with, with God. It's not something which we do to earn our place in heaven. Salvation can't be earned. We know that. The Bible's quite clear about that. We can't be saved through our deeds. We can only be saved through our faith. Justification by faith. Our service doesn't save us, but instead our service is is a natural expression of our salvation, of the gratitude that we feel for our salvation. There's an overflow of receiving of our salvation from Christ. We serve others who don't yet know their saviour. That's a great thing to do. That's a brilliant thing for us to do. That's something we we should celebrate every opportunity we have to serve somebody. Whatever that may be, no matter how big or how small, serving is a privilege. But when we serve our community, we shouldn't do it out of duty. We shouldn't do it because the Bible tells us that we should. It's got to come from the heart. Paul says in in 1 Corinthians, I'll just turn to it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So if I sit at that drum kit and start thrashing around, I'll make noise. It won't be a very pleasant noise. It won't be the sort of noise that you want to sit there and listen to because I don't know what I'm doing. I could make noise, yeah, but I couldn't play. You know, Dan sits there, someone who's, who's, got, who's got rhythm and talent and experience and, and understands how to, how to play it as an instrument, can something which we'd like to sit there and listen to. In the same way, if we go out and, and serve to tick a box and to go through the motions just so that, yeah, I know I should, I, but, you know, I really can't, can't be bothered. I'll, I'll go and serve um, whatever... Um, whatever initiative we're, we're talking about, I'll go and do it for half an hour on a Saturday because it, I know it's the right thing to do, but actually, I don't want to. Serving should be something that we want to do. It should be something that we, we love doing, that we love to do. Why should we love to do it? Why should we love to serve? Why should we try and change our hearts so that, so that service is, is something we seek to do, that service becomes the norm rather than, rather than the exception, so that it, it's not a chore, but it's something that we actively seek out, these opportunities to serve? Why? 
Well, quite simply, because that's what Jesus did. That's the example that Christ himself set us. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes these words. He says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus took on the nature of a servant. That was how he chose to come down onto this earth, as a servant. We often, we often acknowledge the fact that Jesus came not as, as a wealthy king or a great general or a powerful politician, but he came in meekness. He just lived as a regular, pretty unremarkable individual until his ministry began. And he made sure that at every opportunity he served people. So, when we go out into our community, we don't go out and serve out of obligation, out of duty. We go out and serve with hearts full of love. We go out because we love to serve. We go out because Jesus served with love. Those words in Corinthians, if we go out into our communities or or into our church and serve without love then we're not going to create the sort of noise that attracts people. We're not going to create the sort of atmosphere that brings people in because it will be obvious that we're doing it because we have to. But instead, instead if we're full of love, people will warm to it. People will be attracted to that. People flock to Jesus because he, he just exuded love wherever he went and people responded to that. We should be the same. We should also be completely submissive. Uh, one of the theologians I've studied in my um, college course so far, Richard Foster, he's, he said, there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When I choose to serve, I retain control about who I serve and when I serve. But when I choose to be a servant, I've given up all rights and all control. He's right, isn't he? God wants us to be a servant. Because if we just say, okay, I'll serve at this time, in this place, in this initiative, we're the ones in control. We are serving to suit ourselves. Instead, if we say, Lord, here I am, send me, then sometimes it won't be convenient. Sometimes it will be a blooming pain in the neck. But if we say, here I am, send me, then that's a more Christ-like attitude than picking and choosing where and when we serve. Sometimes in in churches, just as in many other organisations, the attitude seems to be, here I am, send him. That's not how we should be. So Christ is our motivation for serving. He is the one who we desire to receive the glory from our service. When we're serving, we're not serving for for our own reward, for our own recognition. We're not serving with one eye saying, Lord, look, 
Look what I'm doing. Look, yep, yep, look what I'm doing. I'm doing it again. Look, serving. Good, aren't I? That's not the way we should be. Instead, when we're serving, we should be saying to the people we're serving, don't look at me, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. That's why I'm here. Look at him. Don't look at me. This is not about me. This is about him. Constantly saying, this is about him. This is why I'm serving you. Put your eyes on Jesus. Don't put your eyes on me because you'll fail. Put your eyes on Jesus because you won't. Jesus is the one who we should make sure receives the glory from our service. That's why we should be a church that when we, when we go into the community or when we, when we hold events here, when we serve, we do so in the name of Jesus, the name of love itself. We want our community to see Jesus through us, not us as individuals, not, us, not even us as a church. We want them to see Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus is talking with his disciples. He calls them together in verse 42 and says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles go with you over them and their high officials ex- exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. We as a church are here to serve, not to be served. Jesus came to this earth to serve us. And of course, one of the great things about serving together is the relationships it builds. When we join together in an an, an initiative, it's a brilliant thing to do. I remember at Christchurch, um, I was a relatively new Christian when they decided it was time to rip out the old pulpit and um, the, the organ. And I went down one Saturday morning because they'd asked for some help. And um, there, was, there was a few of us there. The, the, the most people there weren't sort of in a position to be climbing up into the organ and taking out the pipes and um, lifting things and hitting things. And, you know, they, they were sort of... Um, uh, Mature adults, let's say. And uh, so I went down. I had a great time, to be honest. I'd never, we, I was actually climbing up inside the old, the, just because of the organ and lifting them out of heavy old things. It was brilliant. But I remember that day, not just because of the fact that I got to do that, but I remember that day because I got to know people who I'd been worshipping alongside for a couple of years. I got to know them that day, just in a few hours, because I was serving alongside them. I was doing something alongside them. We had a joint purpose. We had a a purpose that united us. It was brilliant. It was a great day. That's one of the truly amazing things that happens when we serve together. Especially when we serve together in Christ. 
both at church and throughout the community, the truly amazing thing that happens is that the service unites and creates deep relationships with those that we serve. Again, if we just come along to a church and just absorb, 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 and we don't ever serve, we don't ever pour that out, then we're a bit of a one-dimensional Christian. Our response to the word, our response to the example of Christ should be to follow him in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we serve. The Bible is so clear about what our attitude should be. Someone else I've come across at, um, at, at college is a, a lady called Roberta Hestinis. She said, any spirituality which persistently neglects or ignores the needs of the poor is not a truly biblical spirituality. It is not a Christian spirituality following Jesus. This passion that God has for the poor runs through the scriptures so pervasively that you almost have to be willfully blind not to see it. The Bible couldn't be clearer on how we should conduct ourselves, how we should serve, what we should do. Jesus didn't come to earth in the role of a servant to to kind of disguise who God is. Jesus came to earth in the role of a servant to reveal who God is. It just seems to me that there is no higher position in the kingdom of heaven than that of servant. It's a message that is at odds with the world. It's a message which is very unpopular with a lot of people. But it's a message which as Christians we need to adopt, we need to take seriously. We need to remember, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. We are here to serve, not to be served. Everything we do in the name of Jesus, every act of service, honours him, pleases him. It's such a privilege, it's such a privilege to know Jesus. But the best thing of all, is that we can go and share that with other people. We can let ourselves be poured out. We should come here on a, on a Sunday or, 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 or during the week feeling empty because we've poured ourselves out on, on those that we've seen and we come back here as a, almost a refueling station. The word of God is to be shared. We come in here with a tray full of empty glasses We walk out of here and those glasses are full. We go around our community, serving them out. And then we pick up the empties and we come back for refills. We celebrate our serving. We celebrate our Christ. In the kingdom of heaven, no one ever attains a higher position than that of a servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word reminds us to serve wholeheartedly as if we are serving you and not one another. Well, Father, tonight 
we pledge to take that on board. We pledge to remember the example that you set us when you came and walked on this earth, that you came to serve, not to be served. That you came as a servant, the servant king, that you humbled yourself. Father, we ask that you will help us to be reminded this week, every time that we're faced with a situation which requires us to do something and we, we're reluctant, we're tired, when there's a temptation just to leave it, whether it's, whether it's a, something big or whether it's something relatively small, like washing up. Lord, we pray that we can have that attitude to serve as if we are serving you at all times. Father, we pray that you will bless this church in the ways that it does serve its community. We pray, Father, for more initiatives like the one that that was spoken about earlier at the Methodist Church at Christmas. We pray, Lord, that acts of service could become acts of evangelism. As people look and see us serving and are attracted to that, Father, we pray that you will use us in our service to you. And Father, we pray that when we're emptied out, when we've been poured out like the drink offering, you'll refill us, you'll replenish us, you'll restore us. so that we can go again to make disciples of all nations. Whether that's next door neighbours, whether that's our community, whether that's nationally or even globally, Father, we pray you will use us. Here we are, Lord. Send us. It's a privilege and an honour to serve you, Lord. Help us to remember that always. In Jesus' name. Amen.